Hello, and welcome to the Hogan Cast, a weekly podcast where we discuss a variety of subjects. Each week, we talk about a different topic, from literature to travel and everything in between. Our episodes strive to be both conversational and informational, and our occasional interviews are hopefully entertaining. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hello, everybody. I'm Scott Hogan, and welcome to the first episode of the Hogan Cast. I'd just like to begin by saying thank you to anyone tuning in. It's uh, always hard to start something new, and we really appreciate you, you know, joining our new podcast for the first time. Joining me today is my lovely wife and co-host, at least for some of the episodes, uh, Miss Huyen Nguyen, also known as Nancy. Hello, Nguyen. Hi there, it's Nancy. My Vietnamese name is rather long, so I go by the name Nancy because I think I'm fancy. I'm so excited to launch our podcast. I hope it will be entertaining and you will enjoy it as much as we do. Great. All right. So since this is the very first episode, I guess we should tell the listeners a little bit about ourselves. So uh, I am from originally from West Virginia. I grew up in the southern part of the state in what a lot of people know as the billion-dollar coal field. After I graduated high school, I joined the Navy. I was in the Navy for around eight years. During that time, I got to see a lot of really cool places. I was stationed in Japan. Uh, I was on board uh, an aircraft carrier there, and I got to visit Thailand, Hong Kong, Singapore, Korea, Australia a couple of times. I had a great time. And then I, uh, for the last four years I was in the Navy, I was actually stationed in Italy, which was a, another really great experience. After that, I came back home. I, I went to college. I majored in English and Lit, eventually adult education as well. And I went overseas to teach English. And I taught English in Thailand for about seven years. And, and during that time, I actually met Nancy in Bangkok. She was there doing some work for a a non-government organization. And, uh, you know, that's kind of how we met. That's where we started our life together. And since then, we've lived uh, in Thailand, Vietnam, Japan, and now and now the great state of West Virginia, right? Correct. Yeah, very excited um, to be, to consider West Virginia as my second home now. So a little bit about myself, I have been traveling around the world for the past 12 years, either for education or for work or when I can squeeze a little bit time during my holidays. My dream actually is to travel full time, but that's an expensive lifestyle that I can't afford right now. So um, currently we are residing in West Virginia uh, in a small town called Martinsburg. I work as a clean energy professional, and most of my work are now in Asia. So I stay at home most of the time, work during the day, and also work during the nights as well. Just to give you guys a little bit of a heads up going forward on our podcast, what we're planning to do. We want to talk about a variety of topics that are interesting to us and that we hope are interesting to you. We'll touch on 
you know, maybe some literature, uh, some moments in history, just some background information on the places that we've traveled to. And, uh, you know, maybe even some uh, how-to guides on how to do certain things. Like, like I said, I taught English overseas for a long time. Maybe I can do a how-to guide on getting, you know, a job overseas to teach English. But for today, since it's the first episode, I thought it would be a good idea to kind of just talk about where my life began and where our life is right now. And that's my home state of West Virginia. You think that's a good topic, Nancy? I think that's great. Um, it's not, not a lot of people know about West Virginia, I think, uh, except a famous song named Country Road. Um, even um, it's very popular among Vietnamese and also my fellows in Asia. So whenever I said um, where I'm living, I said um, I'm living right now in uh, almost heaven, West <laughs> Virginia. And um, and people know exactly where I am right now. Okay. So you've lived here for about two years now. And uh, let's do a little West Virginia trivia to see what you know. Okay. So let's start out easy. What is the capital of West Virginia? It's Charleston. I remember when I first arrived America for the first time, and I was stopped at by the officer at the custom, and he asked me where I was heading to. So I had to remember the name of the town to answer correctly to be able to accept to to America. So. I always remember that Charlestown is the capital of West Virginia. Awesome. And what is the nickname of the state? Do you know that? The nickname, I think, is Mountain State because West Virginia has a lot of stunning mountains and forests and white waters, rivers that surrounding by around mountains, which I really enjoy especially in the summer. Good. And do you know our governor? Our governor is uh, Jim Justice. Um, I don't really follow politics that much, especially the politics from West Virginia. But um, the reason I know him, because uh, one, I work in clean energy, and one day I watched a video from that interviewed him from the national radio uh, which i don't remember the the station but he talked about how he's dro- he's supporting the state to transit from coal to clean energy especially um support do, uh, building more wind power okay all right maybe we can talk a little bit more about green energy in west virginia a little bit later in the podcast um so you mentioned green energy do you know what natural resource West Virginia is most famous for? Well, it's so easily because it's, it's about coal. And uh, the, the reason that because West Virginia has so many mountains. And today, West Virginia is the major coal-producing state, supplying around 15% of the nation's coal. Yeah, yeah, we've been linked to coal for a very long time. Um, I'm going to tell you some more things that you may not know about West Virginia. So do you know what year West Virginia became a state? 
Unfortunately, I haven't been able to read a lot about the history of West Virginia, so I probably uh, have to pass this question. Okay, well, West Virginia became a state in 1863. It is the 35th state to join the Union, and it is the only state to join the Union after separating from a Confederate state, because originally we were part of Virginia. But like in 1861, in Wheeling, West Virginia, which you've never been to Wheeling, but it's up in the northern panhandle, um, they had a big convention. And they voted to kind of separate from Virginia. There weren't, there's not a lot of plantations in West Virginia, so slavery wasn't really that prevalent. Um, so they got approval from the president. In fact, I think we're the only state ever brought into being by presidential decree. And so uh, the Wheeling Convention of 1861, in 1863, we become a state. Uh, obviously, we are West Virginia, but there were a lot of names that were considered. Uh, Appalachia was one. Kanawha was a really popular one because of the Native American tribes that were here. Did you also know that the first brick street in the world was laid in West Virginia? Did you know that? Yeah, in Charleston, West Virginia, Summer Street. And West Virginia has the tallest truss bridge in the world, which is the Philip G. McDonald Bridge in Beckley, which is where we go quite a lot. And New River Gorge Bridge, it used to be the longest single-span arch bridge in the world. Now it's the fifth. Um, but you've been there a few times as well. So West Virginia is not just coal and mountains. We have a lot of other interesting things as well. Um, what are some things that you like about West Virginia, Nancy? I think I like the most is because of the incredible landscapes in West Virginia. There are a lot of stony mountains, forests, and wide water rivers. I like the fact that uh, there is four seasons here in West Virginia because the place where I came I come from Vietnam. We only have two seasons. Either it's too hot or too wet in the the rainy season. It rained for six months. But here, um, I can see the transition between a season to season, and I really enjoy it. Except that um, the wind here is really strong, which make everything is colder and it's difficult to go do activity outdoor. Well, I mean, a lot of that is because we live in like the one area of West Virginia that doesn't have a lot of mountains right now. So where I'm originally from in the southern part of the state, uh, there's a lot of mountains. The wind is not really that bad. But we are in the eastern panhandle, which is really close to D.C., I guess. It's, it's actually considered to be part of the Washington, D.C. metro area. We get a lot of wind. In fact, maybe you can hear it outside. I'm not sure, but... Um, right now, as we're recording this podcast, the wind is just going like crazy. And is there anything that you don't like about my great state? The other thing is, it's sort of the culture shock to me, um, is that here food is abundant. And uh, for me, we small and uh, we, we eat small size and uh, and seeing um, the portion that served uh, over here, it was a struggle for me to try to finish that. Okay, yeah. So um, is there any questions that you have about West Virginia? Anything you want to ask me since I am an expert? Right. So since I work 
in uh, to support clean energy. And um, there's a lot of question around why the state of West Virginia still going for coal, and they are slow in the transition from coal to other source of energy. What your view on that, um, Scott? Because I got a lot of questions from my colleagues, and especially they wonder how can I support to make it the transition to clean energy in West Virginia go faster. Wow. Well. That's that's a that's a little bit of a loaded question because it's it's become a political issue, but um, I don't have a lot of sources in front of me, uh, but I I did grow up here. I kind of know, at least I feel like I I know why we have such an affinity for coal, and I think there's a a misconception that West Virginia wants coal. You know, it, it, we don't care about the environment. We, we just mine coal because that's what we've done for the last hundred years. And that, that's not really the case. I mean, if you look at West Virginia's history, particularly the southern part of the state, and you go back a hundred, well, uh, really about 200 years, the coal industry there really built America. I mean, during the Industrial Revolution, a large part of the coal that, that, that powered the factories and, and did all of that came from West Virginia and Kentucky, that, that whole area there, um, but particularly Southern West Virginia. That's why it's called the billion dollar coal field. And what a lot of people, well, maybe a lot of people know, but there's probably quite a few people that don't know is that the miners there um, that, that worked for a long, long time, they didn't earn money. They earned, they earned money that was only good for the coal company they worked for, all right? So they would come in, they would work their 10, 12 hours a day. And then when it came pay time, time to be paid, they weren't paid in dollars. They were paid in their company's money. All right. And this money was useless outside of the company. So the company store is where they would buy their goods. All right. They lived in a house owned by the company on land owned by the company, working in the mines owned by the company and paid for money that was only good to buy from the company. So um, they were really taken advantage of for a really long time, which is why there was such a big push to unionize. And it's also why it was so difficult to unionize because anytime they would try to unionize, they would just fire them, take their house, take everything because they owned everything. So you look at that, that lasted for a really long time. And then eventually we did unionize. There was some, a lot of, conflict that we actually had a battle a battle of Blair Mountain and then the Matewan conflict so pretty much twice these miners had to fight almost well once they really did fight the army they fought the army the American army at, at the battle of Blair Mountain so they got to unionize the the wages still weren't great and then you know fast forward to the 80s 90s early 2000s the the, the money they started to make actually became really good. They were making six-figure salaries. And then uh, green energy, which I think everyone agrees green energy and nuclear energy is the way of the future. It's cleaner. But these miners, they lost pretty much their jobs. They they went from making $100,000 a year to, to no job at all. A lot of them got on pills and opioids. You got to think West Virginia only has a million people 
before the latest regulations, I don't want, I'm not trying to blame any president, but uh, when the regulations kicked in that made it so hard to mine coal or to make a profit off coal, we went from around 200,000 miners to today, which we have around 20,000 miners. So we only have a million people in your, in your state. That's a large part of your workforce. And it's also the part of the workforce that made all the money. Right, Scott. It's really interesting uh, to hear from you. Um, I didn't know all those things. But from my two years living here in West Virginia and um, experience and see how poor people are because of coal is not as popular as before and a lot of people lost their job. Um, West Virginia, I read from the statistics, is the second poorest state in America and is is heartbroken and but I feel like there are some other solutions out there for people in terms of livelihood not it's not just focusing on or build around coal activities so Scott I I learned that uh, you are you have been writing a, a couple of paper to talk about a number of in solutions to promote income in the in West Virginia state, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what your uh, suggestions to help state to improve their revenue? Okay, um, uh, yeah, I have some ideas, but I, I I do want to point out that yes, it's true that we are the the second poorest state in the United States, but that's really not fair because a lot of the wealth that should have been going into the state was taken out by big coal companies, uh, coal barons. You know, people from the outside would come in, mine the coal, and then take that money out of the state. None of that money really went back into the state. And so anytime that another company tried to come in here and build an alternative to coal, they were run off by the coal barons. And so now nobody really has an interest in coming in here. I won't say nobody because Virgin, uh, Richard Branson, brought uh, his Hyperloop technology here uh or his his uh yeah his version of elon musk's little train in the vacuum um but but a lot of there's not a lot of infrastructure because everything was built around coal so it's hard to catch up to all these other states when for a long time nobody really could come here and, and create a new job other than the duponts the duponts came in and made chemical factories along the Kanawha river that that had some issues as well but uh, other than a big company like that, like DuPont, it was hard to come in here and invest in, and have uh, any type of industry because the coal companies didn't like it. Now, with that being said, yeah, I think the easiest way to replace or at least kind of offset the loss of coal jobs is to focus on tourism. I think Jim Justice has been doing this a lot. But if you look at West Virginia, like there's three or four main areas of tourism that you want to have or, or that you can promote. You have your, your historical tourism, uh, you have your nature tourism, your eco-tourism, and uh, you have now there's a really popular thing called dark tourism or, or supernatural tourism. And West Virginia has all of that. Like we have a lot of history. We have Civil War battlefields, Harper's Ferries, like uh, one of the most historical cities in the United States, John's Brown, John Brown's Raid, um, the Battle of Harper's Ferry, all around that area, Shepherdstown, 
Martinsburg, and then down the New River Gorge Bridge, which is a great tourism destination. You have whitewater rafting for nature tourism. People can come here and and raft on the rivers. And for dark tourism, you have like Mothman in Point Pleasant. It's really popular. Everybody know? Do you know who Mothman is? No, not really, Scott. Okay. Well, I haven't got to go out to explore much. Okay. So we have Mothman, and we have uh, the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, which is supposed to be haunted. So we have a little bit of everything. We could really promote three different types of tourism at the same time. And I think whether, you, whether you're a Jim Justice fan or not, like I think he has promoted tourism quite well within the state. So the average coal mining salary, I think, is around $85,000 a year, I think is the, the average salary. You're not going to get that. Um, but in tourism, the salaries usually run about forty-five to 60000 a year, which isn't great, but it, it is more than the average salary in the state now, which I think the state average salary is only $30,000, 33000 something like that. It wouldn't completely fix every problem, but it would create jobs. It has the potential to create jobs. And, you know, if somewhere, like when we go to Harper's Ferry, you can see that you go to Harper's Ferry and, yeah, it's a tourism spot, but it's also supporting the local economy. You know, you can open restaurants, you can open campgrounds, whatever. It, it, it creates jobs. So you're not just talking about just the tourism jobs at those locations, but you're also talking about the communities and all the mom and pop stores and stuff that can op stay open because of that. Um, so, yeah, I think tourism is a good way forward for West Virginia to kind of come out of the economic downturn that happened after all the, the coal mines and miners kind of kind of left. Yeah, all great ideas, uh, Scott. And I hope that um, some of these ideas would, would be materialized. I love um, Harper's Ferry and I would invite all the listeners to come and visit Harper's Ferry, do hiking. Uh, enjoy uh, outdoor activities and at the at the same time support local economy. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's probably about enough for this week. What do you think? Should we go ahead and wrap it up? All right. Well, I just want to thank everybody for listening. This is our first episode, so apologies in advance if it wasn't perfect. We'll try to get better as we go along. I'd like to thank anyone that has tuned in to listen to our show. I'd like to thank my lovely co-host, Huyen, if you guys would like us to maybe talk about a certain topic or you have uh, some feedback on our show, you can reach out to us at thehogancast at gmail.com. And uh, tune in next week when I think we'll talk a little bit about where Nancy's from, Vietnam. What do you think about that? That's going to be a great topic. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you again. And uh, yeah, hope to see you back. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.